Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Once again, we come to your feet this evening. Father, the first Wednesday meeting of this year. Father, the eighth day of the new year. And we believe, Father, that you're going to begin something new in our lives. Because, Lord, you said you're a God who does, who makes all things new. Father, and you said in your word, 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, O Lord, and all things which are old are passed away. All things have become new. Finally, Father, there will be a day when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, where only righteousness will dwell. And I pray, Father, that you continue continue to build us up in that new creation, so that, Lord, we will grow up, Father, to fit into that new creation that we, which you are going to build, Father, you are going to make in, this, in, the, in the last day, O oh Lord. To that end, I pray that, Lord, every message that we hear, every study that we undertake in your word, Lord, that we will be focused, Father, in building ourselves up in the most holy faith. Father, continue to build us, Lord, this year. Uh, Father, and even as we now meditate upon your word, build us up a little more in our faith. Faith comes by hearing your word says and hearing by the word of God. Build us up, edify us, Father, strengthen us in faith, even as we hear your word by faith. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. Anoint us this evening to speak and to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. And we will look at uh, those two verses, 17 and 18 of Nehemiah chapter 2. And we will look at, uh, we will take, take up from there. Nehemiah chapter 2, let me read. If you have found them in your Bibles, you can also follow with, follow with me. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste. And its gates, gates are burnt with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which has been good upon me, and also the king's words, that he had spoken to me, so they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. So this is a good work, to rise up and build. So uh, if you look at this passage in the book of Nehemiah, um, and if you look at the context in which uh, this entire passage has been spoken, you get a very interesting insight. Just be there in the book of Nehemiah chapter 2. Let us read from verse 11 as to uh, what does Nehemiah do before he calls all his people to rise up and build. And by the way, uh, this, that is the promise for our, for, uh, for our church this year, that we will rise up and build okay, our individual lives, our homes, our families, and our church in that order. And Therefore, we will build our society as well, okay? Um, that we will become a part of uh, building our own community. So, uh, we'll start with that. But how do we, how do we do that? How do we, how do we, uh, start building? And what does Nehemiah do before he speaks those two verses? 11 and uh, 17 and 18. He does something very interesting. Let's read from verse 11 of chapter 2. So I came to Jerusalem and I was there three days. And you know what the word three days is very significant, right? Okay. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, 
nor was there any animal with me except the one which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley, to the serpent well, and the refuse gate. And what does it say? Your what? Your translation? No, no, no. Viewed, right? Your word says the translation says viewed. My translation says examined. So the translations use the word inspected. Okay, so inspected the walls of Jerusalem. What are we supposed to build this year? Rise up and build the walls and the gates, right? So what? What does? How does it? How does this work start by inspection or examination or uh, viewing? The word viewing is not very clear, but uh, but complete. So examine the walls of Jerusalem, which are broken down, and its gates, which are burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate to the king's pool. But there was no room for the animal under me to pass. That means it's absolutely a total, total shattered mess. Complete mess. Okay, it's viewing everything. Mess. So I went up in the night by the valley and did what? Examined again, right? Viewed and examined or inspected the wall again. So what is Nehemiah doing before he wants to build the wall? What is he doing? He's inspecting. I think that's the first thing that we need to do before we start to rise up and build. We have to do a thorough inspection, examination of our own lives. Each one of us. That is the reason why Socrates made a very fantastic statement before he died. What was that statement? An unexamined life is not worth living. That's a remarkable statement that Socrates made. And he also made, I think, another statement which says, I do not know, I can understand that deity might forgive sin, but I don't know how. <laughs> I understand that deity might forgive sin, but I don't know how. That's another statement that Socrates made, which essentially is answered by the entire book of Romans. But that's okay. But that's not uh, the, the focus of our study. An unexamined life. The first, therefore, the first thing that we ought to do this year is to start examining. In other words, how did we come to this situation in our lives? Wherever we are, whatever situation you are in, whichever physical, I mean, spiritual condition that you are in, whatever the situation your, your family might be facing, whatever financial condition that you are facing, whatever your situation you are facing, look at your life and say, how did I come to this point? Is mukam pe maine kaisa pohuncha? Am I right, uh, Doctor Richard? Is my Hindi okay? <laughs> so, how did I, how did I, how did I come to this point? Okay, a point. How did I come to this point? Where, what, what are the series of things I did to reach this place or this point in my life, wherein I see all the things that are around me absolutely broken, shattered, and I have to start all the way from scratch. Okay. Now, one of the things that we constantly have to do is to rebuild from scratch. That's exactly what happens, no? When a, a class, when a guy comes to you and says, Sir, I want to do the 10th class examination. So, okay, sir, so get your textbook, let's see what where you are. And then you start with that fellow and then you see this fellow doesn't know factorization, okay. Uh, then you see he doesn't know addition, he doesn't know multiplication, he doesn't know division, he doesn't know subtraction, nothing. He doesn't know any, any of the basics. So, you go down to the basics. It's like, it's like you know, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis made a very interesting statement. He says, when you do an arithmetic problem, okay, and you get, uh, you make a small error in, let's say, the unit's position, okay, 
that will get carried over to one billionth position and the error will occur in the one billionth position, let's say. And you say, how did one billion change? Okay, what you have to go back and do is to go back all the way and then change the error there and then you will get the right answer. That is a painful process. Therefore, examination is very important. Okay, root cause analysis, as they say. I mean, doctors are here. You know, you're very, you're, you're, you're on my head in root cause analysis. You want to know exactly where the problem is. And you don't want to do symptomatic treatment. You want to do causal treatment. Okay. And our universe is a causal universe. We don't live in a random universe. There is a set of choices that we have made and we just brought us to a particular position wherever we are in our spiritual condition. And therefore, an examination, a thorough, Honest, ruthless examination has to happen, and that's exactly what uh, Nehemiah is doing. Why and how did I reach this point in my life? And let us do that examination. How did uh, Judah and Jerusalem, which is essentially the city of God, which is eventually the church, which is going to be the new Jerusalem one day, which is going to come down from heaven? So that's a different study altogether. But examination of the walls, examination of our own lives. How did we reach this point? Is something that we need to always look at. So the answer is found in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-six. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter thirty-six and let us read verse nineteen. Somebody, if you found Second Chronicles thirty-six and verse nineteen, if you have found that, quickly read it ASAP. ASAP. Yeah, what is that? And then they burned the house of God, broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Burn all its palaces with fire and destroy all its precious possessions. That is where we are, right, as of now. That is what uh, Nehemiah is examining. But how did they reach that point? Let's read from verse 11 onwards. Let's read from verse 11. It's essentially a summary statement of the history of Judah and Israel. Israel and Judah in that order. Because, because Israel is the first nation which goes into captivity and Judah eventually follows, right? Uh, and let's read from verse 11 onwards and let's, uh, uh, you can follow it in your Bibles. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned, how many years? 11 years in Jerusalem, verse 11. Verse 12, he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke the mouth, uh, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against the king, against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear an oath by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Moreover, all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more according to all the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words and scoffed his prophets. Until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans who killed their young men with a sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on the young man or virgin on the age or on the weak. He gave them, gave them all into his hand and all the articles of the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and of his leaders, all these he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious possessions. That is how you reached this point. Okay? That is how you reached this point. So let us examine what did Judah and Israel do in order for them to reach this point in their spiritual life. And therefore, 
when we study about Judah, we know that all these things have been given to us as examples upon whom the ends of the world have come, of the ages have come. And Romans chapter 14 will say, uh, scriptures have been given for our instructions, so that by the patience and the encouragement that the scriptures give, we might get what? Hope. Okay, scriptures is able to make us what? Wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, we'll examine it with the eye of the New Testament in order to understand what has happened. The first thing, if you see in that verse, in, it's actually found in verse 11, it says, Zedekiah did not what? Did evil in the sight of the Lord as God and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, okay, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. What did Zedekiah, I mean, this is essentially what all the kings of Israel did and Judah did, except a few. That is the reason why they are in this condition. So first thing, what did they do? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. How did they do evil in the sight of the Lord? By, by not humbling themselves before Jeremiah, the prophet, from the you know, there's, if you have an NKJV Bible, how many of you, do, do, does anybody have an NKJV Bible? You have italics in the NKJV Bible? Yes? No, remove all the italics and read that verse. Uh, verse 12? Yeah verse, uh, yeah, verse 12, yes. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, mm. God, mm. did not handle himself before Jeremiah the prophet, from the mouth of the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He did evil in the sight of the Lord by not humbling himself before Jeremiah the prophet who came from the oh, he came from the mouth of God. In other words, a prophet comes from there. Mouth of God. That is the reason why if you see in the book of Ephesians, you don't have to turn, you don't have to turn there. It says, when he took captivity captive, he gave gifts to men and he gave them some to be what? Apostles, some to be prophets, some to be shepherds, some to be evangelists, and some to be teachers for the equipping of the saints so that we all come up to the unity of the knowledge of the, and become a complete man. Okay. So that, so what happened? Who came? What did Zedekiah do? He rejected a prophet who came from the mouth of God. You need to understand. So what did they, what did essentially Israel and Judah do? They rejected what we call as a prophetic word. What did they reject? They rejected the prophetic. And essentially, most of the time, a prophetic word comes in order to do what we call as correction. That is the essence of the prophetic word. So let us, in order to understand the essence of the prophetic word from scripture, I'm going to show you one aspect of scripture, which, I mean, there are so many essences, I mean, so many things about the prophetic word, but I just want to show you one aspect of it. Let's turn to, um, before we turn there, turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, 10 verse 16. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 16. <clears throat> what does it say? He who hears you, mm -hmm. hears me. He, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. Ah, he who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Wow. You see that? If you reject Jeremiah, you've actually rejected God. That's a remarkable thing. Now that is the reason why when Samuel is weeping in 1 Samuel chapter 8, you know what God tells Samuel, don't weep, they have not rejected you, they have rejected me. 
So if in, a, in other words, if you have rejected a prophetic word, if you have rejected something that comes from the mouth of God, you have actually rejected God. And therefore, it's very, very important how we treat the prophetic word, and not, also, not only the prophetic word, even the prophet who speaks in the name of God. Luke's Gospel chapter 10 verse 16 says, He who rejected me, rejects all. And what is the essence of the prophetic word? I want to show you one essence as to what the prophetic word keeps telling us and warning us. You can find that in Isaiah chapter 13 verse 9. Onwards. Let me read it, read that for you, and you can follow it in your own Bibles. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9. Go there. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 9. Everybody there? So let me read it for you. <clears throat> what does it say? That this is a rebellious people. Are you there? Yes. Yeah. This is a rebellious people, like children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. Who say to the seers, Do not see, please. Okay. What do they say to the seers? Do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things. Speak to us things which are smooth. Okay, smooth things. Don't prophesy us to, to us uh, right things. <coughs> prophesy deceptions, it says. Verse 11. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Therefore, thus says the Holy One. So what is what 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 do they don't want to hear? They do not want to hear about the one who is holy. That's what it means. If you turn to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, read it, please. Everybody should know it by this time, but it's okay. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. What does it say? Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So what are they saying? Do not tell us about this holy one. In other words, don't tell us about a separated life. You see, don't holy means what? Separated. What are we? A separated people supposed to be. That is the reason why we are we are most of the times addressed in every epistle as a what? Saints. Saints. <laughs> the, the, the word in Telugu is Parishuddhulu. Okay, that means we are set apart people. We are addressed as what? Saints. We are a set apart people. And what what does what are the prophetic words to say? This is not in, in line with the holiness of God. This is in line with the holiness of God. So if it, if there is some mixing with the world, you see, what is adultery or adulteration? Mixing. Okay. What everything that we eat, eat in the market is mixed. Okay, it's it's a, that is the reason why if you look at the people who cause the maximum amount of problem after after having come out of the out, out of Egypt among Israelites is the what multitude is the mixed multitude. They're mixed. They don't want. I mean, they want uh, liberty, but they don't want freedom. Okay, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Liberty means what? Swetcha kawalgaane wale ki swatantramudanta. Swetcha means liberty. They want liberty, but they don't want freedom. So this is very, very important for us. So what is what does he say? The essence of the prophetic word says, prophetic word says, this is what a people who are set apart from God should be living like. And you are not living like that. That is what prophetic word brings always. You know, uh, let, let me say you. I'll tell you this. Gospel has lines. What does it got? Lines. Lines are there for the gospel. And you know, there's a saying in Telugu, Kattamira Sound. Okay, what does it mean? It's as if you're dancing on the knife edge. Either side you go, you've fallen out. It's a very straight line. Okay, that is the reason why he tells Joshua, do not turn to the left or to the right. 
But stay on that straight and narrow path. And what is God always doing to us through the prophetic word is to bring us back in line. That is the reason why it says all scripture is God breathed for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. So that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. So that is the reason why what we are doing. What what does the prophetic word do? It's bringing us back to a separated life. We don't want to be like the world. For example, look at look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1 to 6. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 1 to 6. Look at what it says about Israel. Somebody can read it loudly. Easy, easy passage. The Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations from before you. The Hittites on all the ites, yeah, the seven nations, yeah. Then, yes. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, when He delivers them over to you, what should you do? You shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall conquer them. You shall destroy them and then you shall make no covenant with them, shall make no covenant with them not show mercy to them why sh- verse 6 and wa- verse 6 for you are a holy people, oh, you are a holy people to, the Lord your God. to the Lord your God you are a nation which is set apart for the, to the Lord your God and again First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10 everybody knows this you, just, just for as a refresher course what has happened First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10. What does it say? You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a set apart people for God. You are his own precious position. What are you supposed to do? You are supposed to declare the excellencies of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light, marvelous light. And therefore what it says, my dear brothers and sisters, as strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. Okay, Pilgrim, or in other words, we we'll use the word exiles. You know what? What is an exile? Who is uh, somebody who is in prison? If you are in prison, you will never talk about what kind of food you are going to get as a menu. That only you will talk in a in a resort. What is for menu? Okay, this bread is not good. Hey, remember, uh, Strashank Redemption, that fellow gets his first meal from the from the from the prison, and what does he see? A worm. <laughs> but does he complain? How dare you give me this food? Does he say that? No. He just takes the worm and eats the food. You see, there's no complaints. As long as you are an exile, that is an attitude you have. Or an exile. That is the reason why it says, I was an exile in the island of Patmos. That's an attitude a, a believer has. He's a prisoner. He doesn't like this place. That's the reason why you know what Paul says, I long to be with my Lord. Okay. But I'm caught between these two things. I want to be with my Lord, but to be here is beneficial for you because I know that you fellows need me. <laughs> you see, you see, that is how Paul looks at life. You see, he says, I am, I am a prisoner and that is the reason why the entire creation is groaning with longing for the revelation of the children of God. And it says, we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, what are we doing? We are also groaning inwardly for the redemption of our bodies, for our, for our adoption as sons. Okay, so this is, this is, we are, we have a prisoner mentality and therefore we are not comfortable in this world. We are in the world but we are not of the world and therefore what does the prophet of God always say, Baba, this is worldly. This is essentially what it is. It's not, it is not, it's, it's not just leading a holy life or it is just not leading a righteous life, not holy life. It's just not leading a righteous life. It's just not telling lies. 
This is not teaching. It is just not even getting the element of the world inside of you. That is the reason why it says friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. You adulterers and adulteresses. So what did Zedekiah reject? And why did they come to this point in their life? Because they rejected what we call as a prophetic word, a word which challenges you to a holy life. Okay? First thing. Alright? So if you reject that, what will happen? You know, God does not just give up on you. Isn't isn't it amazing? You know, the second thing he does is, he sends a Nebuchadnezzar into your life. You know, that is, that is the reason why he says, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Yeah? Nadasudu. Yorande, Paul Gadu. He's not, my servant is not, uh, uh, Paul, he's Modi. You see, that is, that is, that is your, that is, that is Nebuchadnezzar. So what does he do? He brings Nebuchadnezzar into your life. What is he interested in? He's interested that you should be a people who are set apart for God and you have rejected a person who has come out of God's mouth. Jeremiah, no? Can you imagine rejecting Jeremiah? A man who weeped and weeped and weeped and weeped and weeped and wept and wept and wept. What is that? He says, Away with this fellow. Rejected him. So what does he do? He he sends the second the one he senses, he sends a Nebuchadnezzar. And what is this Nebuchadnezzar a symbol of? Let us go to that passage. Second Chronicles chapter uh, thirty-six. It says, and he also Zedekiah after he rejected the prophet. This is verse uh, sixteen, Tarawatam. Okay, this is after verse, verse twelve. Sorry, verse thirteen. Verse thirteen says it says, and he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. Who had made him swear an oath by God. Why? <laughs> Can you imagine that? Now, I was searching the scriptures. Where did Nebuchadnezzar made a maker's uh, oath with Zedekiah? Now, we will talk, we'll talk about that. But it, what did he do? He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. Who made him swear an oath by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart. Against turning to the Lord God of Israel. You see? The second stage. What is this? What is this? Uh, what is this oath? Turn to Jeremiah chapter twenty-one. You'll understand what it is. And read verse one and two. Read verse one and two. Somebody quickly go to Jeremiah chapter twenty-one and read verses one and two first. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord. Yes. When King Zedekiah sent him unto Pasha, the king of Mel- the son of Melchi, mm. and Zephaniah, the son of Maaseiah, uh-huh. the priest, saying. Mm. Inquire, I pray thee, of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, maketh war against us. Ah, please inquire. Please inquire. The Nebuchadnezzar has come, the king of Babylon, and he is waging war. You know, this is a sad state in your life when God does not answer you through prophets or through vision or through Urim or Thummim. That's exactly what happened to Saul. Finally in his life rejected, 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 rejected the voice of God and finally God would not even answer him. But thank God for Zedekiah that God answers him. Look at how he answers him though. You see, the answers of God may not be always to your liking. Read from verse 8 onwards. And on these people thou shalt say, mm-hmm. thus said the Lord. Okay, he says to this people, this is what you should say. Thus says the Lord. First thing. Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Kya baat hai? What I'm going to say, I'm setting before you, I'm setting before you the way of life and the way of death. And by the way, this is the appeal to God's people right from the beginning. From Adam. I'm setting before you the tree of life and the tree of Exactly. It's not as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but it's essentially if you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. So there is a way of life and there is a way of death. God never said don't eat from the tree of what? 
of life. Yes, he never said that. You can partake of my life freely. And every other tree in this garden you can enjoy. Yeah, like 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 the lie that we always hear from the devil, like we like Cyril was saying, you know, he says we think that God is against our pleasures. Okay, and God is the God who actually created our pleasures. You know, in the <laughs> and he said <laughs> in that in that very act of relieving yourself is a pleasure. I mean, that, there's a very interesting word in Telugu, sukha virochana mahaladakaram. <laughs> so people who understood Telugu understand what I'm saying. You know, uh, when you, you, you go to the toilet and you enjoy it, I mean, it's actually, you have enjoyed it. You see, that is the pleasure that God, God has given. God is not against your pleasures. God is not against life, enjoying life, enjoying my life, enjoying whatever I've ordained in your life. But of this tree, if you eat, you will die. So there is always a way of life and there is a way of death. And what should you choose? Life. life. Now the point here, here is this. How did I reach this point in my life because of the set of choices that I have made? See, life is not random as I said. There is a sovereignty of God for sure. But within the sovereignty of God, what are there? Some of choices. We have all made our choices. What we say in English, you have made your bed. And what are you supposed to do? Lie in it. Bad habits are soft beds. Very easy to get in, very difficult to get out. Who said that? Navjot Singh Sidhu. Ironically. <laughs> that is like wisdom from a Sardar, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, see, you see, you see, the kind of choices that you have made has brought you to this point. And he's telling Zedekiah, you see, and he's telling all of us, examine your life. Why are things broken in your life? Because you have made a set of choices, a series of choices. Okay, that's exactly what David did. A series of choices. One woman here, another woman there, another woman there, another woman there. Finally, he reached what we call as that point called Jerusalem. Top of, in Jerusalem, top of his house. All the series of choices have taken him to the top of Jerusalem, finished. What is called Sigma woman. Sum of all movement. Okay. All the choices that he has made he has taken to the point in his life. And what is he doing? He is examining. I mean, he's not examining. <laughs> he fell into temptation. This is basically the set of choices that you have made. So your choices have done two things to you. Either they have strengthened the walls in your life, the spiritual walls in your life, or they have weakened the spiritual walls in your life. And the things that have happened to you have happened because of the set of choices that you have made. The set of voices that you have listened to. The set of books that you have read. The set of preachers that you have listened to. I mean, you have to look for all kinds of preachers. There are so many preachers. That is the reason why it says, be careful as to what you hear. Be careful as to how you hear. Both these things are important. So... Life is a set of choices and before you are set two choices. And what is a choice? A very difficult choice given, given, to, given to us here in Jeremiah chapter 21 verse 8. Now you shall say to this people, thus says the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. So what is the way of life? He who remains in the city shall die. By the sword, by famine, by pestilence. But he who goes out and surrenders or defects, or falls into the hands of... Boy, can you imagine? Falling into the hands of a heathen king is what? Life. Falling into the hands of God's correction is? 
life. That is the reason why, you know what? Three choices I give you, David. Let me fall under the hands of God. Now, what is the hand of God here? Nebuchadnezzar. This is what we call the rod of correction. Okay. So, when you are a child, and if you are falling under the hands of your father, boy, blessed are you. It's very difficult for a child, no? To accept that. You know, if you have uh, gone through the video of this 80th, 80th birthday uh, celebrations of brother Zach Punan, his sons, he has four sons, and the guy who was tanned the most is the most successful fellow. <laughs> IIT, Harvard graduate, everything. And that's, that's what even all the four, four sons, you know, uh, what, they, what they confess. You know, my brother got this spanked the most, but you know what? He is the one person who is actually the most disciplined among all of all, all four of us. He never gave my my my, child, my my parents any problems when he grew up. You see, when you don't train up the way of a child when he is when he's young, see, I'll tell you something. Uh, this is what I've observed. Okay, a child is there, he's throwing tantrums. Okay, tantrums. Ah, no, 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 no. Bitta, will you eat this? What do you want to eat, bitta? What do you want to eat? Uh, should I give you this? Should I give you that? No, 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 I don't know. So, like, well, I, I took my children to Sister Elsa's place once, and uh, she was asking, Abigail, do you want? I said, Sister Elsa, you don't give them a choice. You put something on the table and you ask them to. So, when they start throwing tantrums, and then what happens is that the parents don't want to discipline them, they just, you know, oh, it's okay, you know, when I was a child, I also did. Like all these things. Uh, how can I? And you know what happens? The child grows up without getting corrected. Now, let us say, you know, when he grows up, you know, he will become okay. He is not going to throw tantrums when he goes. He will become normal. Now, by the time, let's say, he's a teenager, he's not throwing the tantrums that he was throwing when he was a kid. Obviously. He will not say, no, 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 no. But he will throw different kind of a tantrum. And if you don't correct him when he was, a, when he's a teenager, when he grows up to be a 30 year old person, are he's not throwing, not throwing tantrums like a teenager. Yes, he's doing, throwing a 30 year old tantrum. The tantrums have taken different, different forms. But the tantrums have not changed. The attitude has not changed. Okay, so correct. So teach that train up a child when he, when he has to, when he is young. That is very important. See, the ability to choose discipline and take discipline itself is a discipline. You know that? Isn't it amazing? Some people can't take discipline. It's impossible for them to take discipline. But the ability to take discipline itself is a discipline. That is my own statement, okay? Okay, I don't know. <laughs> my goodness, I have to be very careful when I make statement. But it's just a true. I have observed in my own life. Some people just cannot. It's impossible for them. So what has happened? This fellow has made a set of choices. And one of the choices is a rod of correction. And who is the rod of correction? Falling into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, you will actually live. That is the reason why in Jeremiah chapter 29, you don't have to turn there. It says, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future and an expected end if you fall into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. You see, that is the reason why God says, you know what, when you are corrected or when you are disciplined, thank God, you are, you are being treated as what? Sons. You are not being treated as mm-hmm. illegitimate. I actually that the in in Telugu says durbijam means you are not of the wrong seed. If we have the seed of God remaining in us, we will take what correction. If we don't have the seed of God, we will not take correction. 
So what has happened here? Two things we learn. First lesson we learn is the reason why we have situations in our life is because of the set of choices that we have made. Second, we have we have come to the situation in our life broken down walls is because we have not come under what we call as a corrective or a disciplined measure. Turn to Hebrews chapter twelve. You know this very well. Read from verse seven onwards. If I'm right. Ah, now yeah, the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Uh huh. If you are left without discipline in which you have, in which all have participated. Yes. Then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And then go on. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who corrected us. Okay. And we respected them. Uh huh. And live. You see that? I said before you, life and death, blessing and curse. Choose what? Life. In other words, choose paths in your life which will discipline you. Okay. Another thing which I want to say in that in the same thing, uh, verse eleven. If I'm if I'm right. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. Ah! See, discipline is not uh, easy. It seems what? Painful. The operations are not easy. To come, to subject yourself to this, to the surgeon's scalpel is not easy. Thank God for anesthesia. Those days, what they used to do, put, give, make you drunk with rum. So that you will, <laughs> you will not. But thank God for anesthesia. Whoever invented anesthesia. See? So what has happened? I mean, painless discipline. But you know what? Only when you have painful discipline, at least the pain will be a remembrance for you. Mm. That is the reason why it was says, it was good for me to be afflicted and because I was afflicted, I learned your what? Judgments and statutes. Thank God I afflicted you. David says, because I was afflicted, I learned your statutes and your judgments. So what has happened? These people rejected the discipline of God. And the reason why we come to situations in our lives where the law of the, the, the walls are broken down is because we have rejected discipline. Okay. So don't, don't ever, ever, ever compromise on this. Okay. The ability to take discipline itself is a discipline. Okay. Make, write down the statement. Okay. So first, they, 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 what? They rejected what we call as the prophetic word. Second, what did they reject? They rejected discipline. Third, what did they, what did they do? Turn again to Second Chronicles chapter 36 and verse 14. Moreover, all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more. Who transgressed more and more? Leaders, leaders of the priests. Okay, the leaders of the priests. Just not the priests. The leaders of the priests. You know, actually, if you look at uh, Isaiah chapter 28, a graphic description is given as to where the priests, how the priests have become. It says a priest, you know what? They have drunk themselves with wine and when they come to the altar of God, they bring vomit. That is how the priests have become. I mean, and you know that a graphic description of that when you see uh, in, in, in uh, 1 Samuel, uh, Hophni and Phineas, what kind of priests they were. Right in the temple of God doing the worst kind of abominations. See? So there are two things. What were they doing? They wanted the choicest of the offerings. 
the best of the offerings of the people. And the second thing, you know what they want? They want, they were committing sexual immorality. Two things they were doing. A priest. So look at what it says here. The leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more. But how did they transgress more and more? It says, according to all the abominations of the nations. What has happened? The leaders of the priests and the people became more and more like the world. You see? No, that, that, is, that is the reason why if you dress like the world, if you speak like the world, you eat like the world, you have friends in the world, you must be of the world. You see? So what has happened? In, that is the reason why it says you are a set-apart people. I, I told you, right? If you do not take correct the prophetic word and you do not take discipline, what happens is that you become more and more and more like the world. Now, sometime back I was asking this brother who came from another church, no, I'm, I, I, some some other church. No, I don't. I don't want to name the names of the church. And he made he made a very interesting statement. He said there is no control over the young people in the church. There's no control. They all they all do whatever they want to do, and the leaders just play along. They don't confront them. They're scared to confront them. They're scared to confront, and that should not be the case. The priests and the leaders have become more and more like the world and therefore the priests, leaders of the priests have become more and therefore the people have also become more and more like the world. There's no confrontation that is happening anywhere in your life. When worldliness comes in, when you take the value systems of the world into your own life, what is, in other words, what is uh, important for the Gentiles is also important to you. What is important for the Gentiles? What shall we? What shall we? Drink. What shall we? Put on. This is all that is important. I mean, people may not think of so much of dresses, they want to wear houses. Uh, because the house itself is again a covering, no? I'm just talking about it. Because, you know, uh, Paul says, uh, Peter says, I'm going to put away this tent. <laughs> I'm going to get a tent from above. You see, and again, Second Corinthians chapter five, we also talk about that. But you see, the point here is this: what what is happening? There is more and more assimilation into the world rather than separation from the world. And who has caused this? The priests have caused it. The leaders have caused it. Become more and more like the other nations, abominations of the nations. I, I read uh, A. W. Tozer a lot when I was growing up. No, one of the things that I read was ex what exorbitantly or not exorbitantly. Uh, I'm not getting the word. Exhaustively, yeah, exhaustively. I read A.W. Tozer, no? I read like crazy. And one of the things that he said, he was called the prophet of our, of our times. No, not prophet meaning, he's just not like, you know, prophesying as to what it is. He says, the way I look at the, uh, the media and the covers and the magazines, and he's talking about 1960s. The magazine covers of 1960s. What is 1960 magazine cover? When I look at the 1960 magazine cover, I, and people, Young people in amorous embrace. Go and search the dictionary as to what the word amorous means. Young people in amorous embrace. Okay, that's a word for you. Okay, homework, amorous and dandy. Okay, amorous embrace. And he says, and the church not confronting it, I know a time will come, you know, where... The worst and the wildest things that can happen and you are not even troubled by it. It's just literally like the frog in the kettle. And the frog in the kettle, if it is hot, it will jump out, right? But when you put it in the kettle and slowly heat the water from sim to boiling temperature, it will stay in the kettle and eventually die. 
You have assimilated. You have allowed the world to come into the church. In, 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 you know, that's the reason why he says, you are the what of the earth? Salt of the earth. What does salt do? It, de- it delays the process of decay. And that's exactly what you and I as a church are supposed to be. We are supposed to be a set of people who are delaying decay in our lives. And But what it says, if the salt has lost its flavor, flavor it is of use of nothing. And what has happened? You have just become like the world and the people just trample under it. They just feel just like us, just like anybody else, because you have lost the flavor. You have, and what is the salt? A symbol of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit is taken up, who is going to be revealed? The lawless one will be revealed. He's called a restrainer, right? He's the one who restrains. The Holy Spirit is the one who restrains. If the Holy Spirit, in other words, if you have lost the Holy Spirit in your life, you're gone. That is the reason why the warnings in the old in the, in the New Testament are always do not lie to the Holy Spirit. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't insult the Holy Spirit. You see? Therefore, what has happened? You have become more and more assimilated with the world instead of being separate from the world. So the question here is, what is the exhortation that Paul gives to us? He says, do not be drunk with wine in which is excess, but... Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns. Speaking to? Speaking to? Okay, so first thing you have to do. First thing, speaking to one another means first you speak to yourself. And also, other. Who is the other? The church. So we are part of the church where we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit. Making melody to melody to God in our hearts. And what will happen? The word of Christ also will dwell in us what? Richly. Two things have to happen. What should we have? What should happen? We should have two uh, uh, things in our hearts which will delay the decay where? In the world, not in your own life. You are already incorruptible. Okay? Because you are are not born. You are born of what seed? Incorruptible seed. And if that is growing, you're incorruptible. So do not lose the word of God. Do not lose the spirit of God. And if you have lost the word of God or the spirit of God, you have come to a point wherein all the walls in your life have been broken. So what the three reasons. First reason. First reason, Andy, you rejected the prophetic word. Second reason, you have rejected discipline. Third, you have assimilated into the world. In other words, slowly the restraining influences in your life. You know, that is exactly what we tell our children, right? Especially if you have girls, don't sit like that. Okay, don't walk like that, walk straight. Don't eat like that. My, my mother is, you're behaving like a boy. And my, my wife's, uh, my wife's, mother of my children. Okay, don't behave like a boy. Means eat well, sit well. And what is the church called? Virgin, the bride. You see? Okay. For three things, we we finished the leaders. I mean, the three things, and they uh, they they become more and more assimilated to the world. Fourth thing, it says in uh, uh, verse uh, fifteen, uh, sorry, fourteen. The more over the leaders of the priests and the people transgress more and more according to the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord. What did they do? Defiled the house of the Lord. What does that mean? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Please read that, everybody. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. This is essential next. Uh, 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 point number 3.a. Okay. We are talking about 
restraining influences, right? The restraining influences are gone. So why sh what has happened eventually after the restraining influences are gone? The 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 the, the, the destroy the defile the temple of God. What does it say? In first Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen, seventeen. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? Ah, uh, you are the temple of God. And that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If and the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defiles the temple of God, if any man defiles the temple of God, him shall God destroy. God will destroy. Who are the temple of the living God? You. First as individuals and also as a corporate body. Therefore, you know, one of the things that you need to understand, if one body sins, if one person in the body sins, everybody gets affected. Even if you have not sinned. That is the reason why Aiken, one Aiken coveted the accursed thing, the whole congregation of Israel gets affected. So don't, under, don't underestimate your decisions. If you are a part of the body of Christ and you make decisions, you will harm the entire body. So what, he, what is he trying to say here? He says, don't defile God's house. In other words, don't let any of, don't let the restraining influences in your life just go away. Have what we call as the fruit of the spirit. First is love, the last is what? Self-control. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, sound mind. Power first, sound mind last. Power is full power. Left, right and center, you are doing miracles and uh, healing people, giving to people, left, right and center. But you should also have what we call as Indriya Nigrahanugala Atma. Indriya Nigraham means you should be a Jitendra. You know what Jitendra means? Indra, Indra, Indra is all your senses. The one who has Victory over his senses is Jitendra. Mastered. Mastered his senses. Not God Indra. <laughs> God Indra never had any problem. With he had no self-control at all. <laughs> he was absolutely an anticlimax of Jitendra. No? You know that, no? That story. <laughs> okay, don't <laughs> let us not uh, talk about other things. So what 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 we need is what we call as self-control. Turn to Proverbs chapter twenty-five, twenty-eight. Proverbs chapter twenty-five, twenty-eight. So everybody should read in different different translations. Let us enjoy a different translation. Let us see the spectrum of translation that you have. Because Proverbs is one book, you should read different translations. Okay, you will get a spectrum of thought. Okay, like a picture which is being uh, which is being uh, 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 made. Okay, yes, twenty-five, twenty-eight. Yes, sister. Yes, um, let's start with. Uh, um, he that hath no rule over his own spirit. He that hath no rule over his own spirit. Is like a city that is broken down. Is like a city which is broken down and without walls. Kya baat hai? Ante, why are the things in your life broken because you do not have rule over your own spirit? And it says in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. I lost control, my dear brothers, when I was preaching. Ah, 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 ah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. There's nothing like losing control. There's no lose control, body and soul. Okay? When you're absolutely under control, even your anger is controlled. I mean, I've seen some man of God, you should see how they, when they are angry, they just let go. Just But you know what? When you, when your anger is under control, you know what you do? You make a whip. Who did that? Jesus. And he used the whip on the who? On the priest. 
No. No, no. He never used it on people. He chased them out. He never whipped them. That is anger in control. Ante, build this control. You know, that is the reason why do not discipline your children in anger. discipline You know, but <laughs> I like his arguments very interesting. <laughs> my goodness. Why is man of God? No? He was telling, you know, when, when, sometimes I used to discipline my children in anger. But he says, if you have disciplined your children in anger and you feel guilty about it, don't immediately go and say sorry to your children. <laughs> Let them grow up. But because if you tell them sorry right now, Ah, they will see your weakness. So when they grow up, once and for all, say sorry once, once, once. Sorry. <laughs> I like that, no? What a wise man. Sorry, I don't know. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. I can beat you that time, no? But, don't try to show weakness. Okay, so but that, that, that <laughs> so this is important. You see, a, a man who has no control over his spirit, if you have no control over your spirit, you're like a broken down city and without walls. Question: Have you lost control in some areas in your life? Yeah. I was listening to a man of God. You know, he had a 80 year old mentor. Okay. He was sitting at his mentor's feet and uh, 80 year old, 80 years, 80 years now that man, no? He was sitting at his mentor's feet and he was asking him, uh, uh, I got him, tell me, okay? I got him, tell me how, about your fasting life. He said, tell me about your fasting life, life of fasting. You know what that 80 year old man of God said? By the grace of God and by the mercy of God, I never had to fast. <laughs> Eighty years non-stop Eight years non-stop that you know remember who said that, right? For eight years non-stop this fellow is eating. Engine is working nicely, no problem with the engine. It's like Isaac, now he lost his senses, everything. All the senses senses are gone, but if unless he's, he eats mutton, he will not bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get blessing out of him, feed him mutton. You know, in, 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 in Telangana, kura means what? Ah, mutton only. It is, it is not birakai, it is not pankai. It is only mutton. What are you doing? Kura yasana. What is kura? Mutton only. Nothing else. So that guy has to have mutton. Otherwise he will not even bless you. That is Isaac. See, one area in his life, there was no control. Gone. And he literally swaps the blessing of God and creates absolute mayhem in the family. Okay, understand that. So there is what? Three things. Four, four things we learned. Well, three, three A and three B, in fact. So what, what, what happened? They lost self-control. They lost discipline. They did not accept the prophetic word. Finally, let's go back to Second Chronicles chapter 36 and read from verse 15 onwards. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers rising up early 
and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. He had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. Who are we? A dwelling place of God. We are being we are being made into a dwelling place of God by the by the Spirit. Okay. So do you know the reference? Ah, I don't know the reference. Shame on you. On me too. Okay, I forgot. <laughs> okay, we are being made into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. And God had mercy on upon His people and upon His dwelling place. What did He do therefore? He said what? Verse 16. Verse 15. He sent them messengers rising up early. I like that word, rising up early. Okay. Then what happened? Verse 16. But they mocked the messengers of God despised his words, scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. So think about this, this is the final analysis. Be very careful of the scoffing and the mocking spirit in our lives. It's a defying spirit when you mock servants of God. Very careful. Very, very careful of the mocking spirit, of the scoffing spirit. You have become scoffers. Look at this. What? Turn to First Peter, please. First Peter chapter, Second uh, Peter chapter three, not First Peter. Second Peter chapter three. Let, let, let me read you, read you from verse one onwards. Turn there quickly and let's read from verse one onwards. <coughs> Are you there? Okay. Let me read now. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written them. Written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. So what should happen to our thinking, Baba? It has to become wholesome. Any other uh, translation? What does your translation say, Peter? In both this second episode, dear Lord, I write unto you now. Oh. Both which I stir up your pure mind. Ah, to stir up your pure mind. I like that. To stir up your pure mind. So one of the ways of of uh, the ways that you have known that you have actually grown in the Lord when your thinking has changed. When I was a child, I walked like a child. I dressed like I even thought like a child. When I grew up, I put away childish things. Like Pastor said, you don't give up childish things and then grow up. You grow up and then put away childish things. So one of the things that you have to take away is your thinking arm. How do you think? Is there any control in your thinking? Some people are just carried away by imagination. So, start, start just saying, Oh, it's not Okay, what does that mean? Okay. So, subtitles we should have, no? Somewhere subtitles here, right? <laughs> it will be great if you have subtitles. Subtitles is, once people start thinking, that keep on thinking. I mean, just, they can't stop. You know, that is the reason why Jeremiah says, why do you harbor wicked thoughts? What is harboring? Anchor. That's a remarkable thing. It's not coming out of your mind. No matter how much you pull out, it will not come out. What should you have an anchor to your soul? You're just thinking it has to be in the most holy place. We know that. We talked about most holy place sometimes when we were discussing most holy place. Right? Our anchor, our thinking should be in the most holy place. We should have the mindset of the spirit, so to speak. How the spirit thinks? How does Christ think? And this is what he says. Dear friends, this is my, my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I like, uh, this is the NIV of course. To wholesome thinking. Okay. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets. 
and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Both the apostles and the prophets have said the same thing. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, who will come? Scoffers will come. Scoffers. Boy! Scoffing spirit. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful or the scoffers, but delights in the law of the Lord. And in his law, that's what you should be stirring up your mind for what teaching? For wholesome thinking or wholesome thinking or wholesome teaching. Stir up your minds for action. That's the reason why it says, be sober in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind because your mind has a spirit. Matlab, your mind has an attitude. What does it have? It has a Vivekananda pose. I told you, no? What is Vivekananda? <laughs> have you seen Vivekananda everywhere? I like that pose, no? Whatever you want to say. This is the, that is the kind of a pose that Bala has. It's a defiant pose. Now I regret that we don't have YouTube. Okay. We can put up this pose. Maybe when it is, it is, I don't know. We can do that maybe later on. But you see, <laughs> you see, this is, this is the attitude. You don't have a, a, there's an attitude of the mind. Your mind has an attitude and it says be renewed in the attitude of the mind and put on what we call as the new man, which is made in Christ Jesus in in true righteousness and holiness, it says. That is the reason why you have to keep on changing the way you think. You know why? Because what we call as a scoffing spirit can creep in. Why? You know why? Because we don't have a humble mind. A scoffing spirit. A defying spirit. A spirit which says, I, I, I. I have achieved. I did this. I. Oh, 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 oh. Be careful. The first person who said that was the great man. Who thought he was great? Perfect in wisdom and beauty. Finished, gone. It's a scoffing spirit. It's a scoffing spirit. It's a, what we call as an accuser of the brethren's spirit. A scoffing spirit. Very careful. Okay, so it says, scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires. What do they do? They will say, where is this coming? Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Have you seen wars and rumors of wars? We are literally at the brink of a third world war. The balances are so, 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 so sensitive now. Anything can happen. Nobody knows what is going to happen. These fellows will send rockets and say, we don't want war. What? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, no, 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 no. We just shot, we don't want war. What nonsense? (laughs) What are you doing? You're laughing, right? But what does it mean? There's nothing like that. I mean, it's 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 like we're literally on what we call as God is restraining the moment He takes off restraining influence. Now everything will fall apart. You know what it says in Hebrews chapter one? It says He holds everything by the word of His power. He is holding, upholding everything by the word of His power. That's exactly what He did on the cross. You know what He did on the cross? He was holding back His wrath. Oh, if you are really the Messiah, come down from the cross. You know, one man of God, I think it was Warren Beersby. I don't know who this Warren Beersby who made a statement. I think Chuck Missler who made this statement. He said, the nails were holding him to the cross. But he was actually holding the nails so that he can be held on the cross. Wow, what a statement that is. In other words, Peter, put your sword into your sheath. If I cannot command a legion of angels, will they not come to rescue me? But I'm holding back. That's exactly what God is doing. He's holding back 
things. And what people are saying, ah, it's okay. You know what are you scoffing? You're scoffing and you're putting your thumb against God and you're scoffing his patience. But God is not going to have patience for long. That is the reason why he says, I am a spirit I will not contend with flesh for long. And if you have a fleshly mind, God is not going to contend with you for long. Adi point. Adi point. That is the point. Avadan Vishadam. Vishayangal. You see, this is what has happened in the last days. People are scoffing and mocking. Boy, be careful of a scoffing spirit, my dear brothers and sisters. Let not that come into your mind. You know, when I, when I come to my school, a lot of children have this, no? They give me an attitude like this. Oh. And look at them and I said, why is your face like that, right? What is your face like that? Okay, if I see any one of you speaking anything against your father or your mother or your supervisors, you will be sent home that day. So studying in my school is a privilege, not a, not a right. Very tough. You know, teenagers have that, no? Scoffing. Okay. When the Ashoka tree is young, bend it. Savio bent, I will make you straight. You should see how they some of the when you have when you have grown up children coming to our school, it's even more a headache. Already with things are set. I said, what? 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 What is that face? Yeah, that's exactly. When, but, thank God, you know, the, the, exactly what came, God got told Cain. Cain, why is your face like that? Your face? Hmm. You see? Be careful. Don't have a defiant face. Oh, the punishment is too much for me to bear. Defiance. And what did, what did ultimately happen to Cain? It says Cain left the presence of the Lord and settled in a region called what? Nod. You know what the word Nod means? Wandering. He settled in wandering. How can somebody settle in wandering, Baba? What does it mean? It seems I am settled in life, Baba. But you are wandering. Do you know that? You know why? Because you have a defiant scoffing spirit. A scoffing attitude. Be very careful about a scoffing spirit, scoffing attitude. Okay. So this is what happened. That is the reason why these are things happening in your life. Because you scoff the messengers of God. And before things can happen in your life, take action and correction. So what has happened? He examined the walls. What are the four things we will look at? Uh, five things actually. Four things let's say. First thing, you rejected the prophetic word. Third thing, second thing, you rejected discipline. Third thing, you assimilated into the world and you removed all restraining influences in your life. Four th- three or four things. And finally, fifth thing, what did you do? You became a scoffer and a mocker of God. This is essentially the pattern. This is the algorithm of a fall. Step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, repeat. Four I is equal to one to hundred. <laughs> this is what we call as automation, no? All the people who do automation understood my language. <laughs> you see, but how, what should we do therefore? Examine your walls. Clear. Examine your life. Let us all examine our lives now. I'm not going to speak for long. Maybe this is what we need to do. That is the reason why it says Second Corinthians chapter thirteen verse five. Please there. Please go there. Everybody, go there. Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, thirteen verse five. Yeah, everybody knows that very well. 
క్రీస్తు మీలో ఉన్నాడో లేదో మిమ్మల్ని మీరు పరీక్షించుకునడు లేకపోతే మీరు ఏమైపోయారంట భ్రష్టులైపోయారు అది పాయింట్ అక్కడ పాయింట్ అదే ఇన్ తెలుగు నాట్ ఇన్ తెలుగు బట్ ఎగ్జామిన్ యువర్ సెల్ఫ్ వెదర్ యుర్ ఇన్ ద ఫేత్ టెస్ట్ యువర్ ఓన్ సెల్ఫ్ సో లెట్ దట్ ఇస్ ఎగ్జాక్ట్లీ అబౌట్ హౌ ద రీబిల్డింగ్ ప్రాసెస్ హస్ టు స్టార్ట్ ఇన్ అవర్ లైఫ్ ఎగ్జామిన్ యువర్ సెల్స్ అండ్ బి ఆనెస్ట్ బి బ్రూటలీ ఆనెస్ట్ అబౌట్ యువర్ సెల్స్ Yes, we have to be brutally honest. No problem. No problem. See, God is not condemning us, no. See, God is a God who wants to what we call us restore. He's, he's, a, he's gathering the people. What is enemy wanting to do? Scattering. God wants to gather us. He wants to build us, not to destroy us. But before he builds us, he has to pluck out, he has to root down, he has to pull down, and then he has to build, and then he has to plant. But that has to happen. Uh, what we call as a break up the fallow ground Hosea says break up the break up the fallow ground so in what righteousness you see that so in other words change your seed change your life look at the way that you have been building your life sorry uh, your your life what has happened to your spiritual life what has happened to your prayer life what has happened to your fellowship what has happened to your judging of your own self what has happened to your giving your individual life what has happened to your family life what's in your family that is the reason why you know the 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 the, the great man says in psalm 16 he says the lines have fallen for me in what in pleasant places i have an excellent inheritance inheritance examine your lives test your has a joy gone out of your life in his joy in the holy spirit righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit and that is what we need to consistently constantly keep doing in our lives examining ourselves over and over and over again to see what has happened to the walls and then you know what we can do we can once we have done what we call as honest examination god will tell us now arise and build okay amen everybody amen, amen. let's all stand for the first wednesday right let's all stand in the presence of god Father we just <clears throat> thank you father for this day Father we just want to do an honest examination of our own hearts this evening because you have given us a promise the promise that this is the year to rise up and build a specific promise for our church you're showing us a direction but a rising up and building process will start with an examination first and we want to examine ourselves this evening in the in the light of your word in the presence of your holy spirit just not now even as we go back homes that your word will continue to do its work like the disciples on the road to Emmaus who said did not the word burn in our hearts father this evening i pray lord you would speak to us father when the correction is needed correct us cut us wherever cutting is needed because you said which of us plant bears fruit i prune it more so that it bear bear more fruit and it is to the glory of god that we bear fruit that's what you want says and father i pray lord this evening we want to examine ourselves 
Lord, continue to do your work in our lives. You said, as many as I love, I rebuke. And therefore, you told the Laodicean church, be zealous and repent. And Father, we want to be zealous. And we want to repent. And therefore, I pray, Lord, that you grant us the gift of repentance. The little little things that we have done, the little lies that we might have spoken, the dishonest decisions that we may might have taken in office. And we look at those little little things and we think that it is not big in your eyes, but Lord, even the smallest sin is big in the eyes of God. Father, your word says, O oh Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Therefore, I pray that this evening, even as we begin this year, O Lord, in the study of your word, I believe that you're exhorting us to examine our own lives, to continue to examine ourselves, and to make a thorough appraisal of who we truly are in the light of your word. Our individual lives, our family lives, our corporate lives as believers in the church, and even in the community. To that end, I pray that you will bless the hearing of this word, that your word, let not it return void, let it accomplish the purpose for which it was being spoken this evening. We thank you, Lord, we praise you, we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Amen.